Hello, my name is Abigail Austin, and this is The Eco Enthusiast, a podcast where we explore the world of everyday people making a difference in the environmental movement. Today, I'm chatting with 23-year-old Zachary Thaoni, who is a sustainable fashion designer in the United States. Because I didn't know how to draft a pattern and make it my size and everything. So I thought, okay, go to the thrift store again, secondhand. Let's find a hoodie that fits me like this. You know, nastiness all over it, maybe a hole here, a hole there. That's not what I'm worried about. I just need the, the pattern. So I took it home, I seam ripped it, threw it down on a blanket, cut it out with the seam allowance and everything. And I did that for maybe a few weeks and I made like a montage video of it. And that's when everything took off. I, I think that I did a video and I got like 17 million views. I came across his incredible work on Instagram. He makes fantastic videos showing just how resourceful and creative he is with thrifted blankets, jackets, jumpers, anything he can find, he transforms into what has been described as high fashion meets loungewear. A few years ago, he went viral on Instagram for these incredible artworks and has is really sending a, a very powerful message with his work. And it was wonderful to have the opportunity to chat with him. I mean, he's such a young person, you know, going viral at just 20 years old with his sewing, which he learned from the internet. And I think it's such an incredible story, especially for young people or parents of young people to have a listen to this and, you know, listen to Zachary's journey and how he got into sewing and what he thinks young people should really be embracing in order to live fulfilling, rich lives. A very wise soul, a very old soul, and really inspiring. His work makes you never want to walk into a fast fashion building ever again uh, because he reminds you of the soul of clothing. I hope you enjoy today's episode with the luminous Zachary Theoni. But I was just wondering if you could just start by telling me maybe just your story, like who you are, where you're from, and yeah, how you came to to start doing what you're doing with the, the secondhand clothing. Sure. Um, so I was born in Portland, Oregon, West Coast, Pacific Northwest, uh, lived there till I was eight. Then uh, the whole family packed up, moved to Colorado, we had lived there all my, most of my life since middle school through high school. And then I went to college for three semesters in the mountains. Wasn't planning on going to college. I really didn't. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and then I did really good on my SAT. I tested really good and I got a, a full paid tuition scholarship to this mountain school. So I was like, OK, I guess we're going to college here we go. So pack up the bags, go to college. And I'm big into snowboarding. I, it being in Colorado, that's like all we could do, or that was like the best thing we could do. So I kind of just snowboarded for three semesters and didn't study, didn't really take it seriously. Cause I didn't, I didn't have any drive. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, like I said, I didn't really even want to go to college in the first place. So I thought, okay, well, I'm here for free. Might as well just screw around. Stupid. Um, dropped out after a while, after three semesters. Uh, I started painting, like commercial painting. 
buildings with my buddy. And then we started getting into clothing. We did some screen printing and stuff. And I fell in love. And my soon-to-be wife in less than two weeks now um, messaged me and she said, hey, I'm going to be moving to Rapid City, South Dakota. Do you want to come? And I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. So I packed up my bags, uh, finished up working on the van, and we headed out to South Dakota. And the only thing I could bring with me, because we had like a full print shop and everything for screen printing, we were kind of getting into it, but I had to go after Kaya, you know? So all I could bring was my sewing machine, and that was it. That's all I could fit in the car. That's all that was realistic for me to bring. So we end up out in Rapid City, South Dakota, tiny little town. I'm not used to it. I don't know where I can get materials and stuff to start doing stuff because I had like embroidered some things like hand embroidered stuff i'd embroidered some jackets and stuff but i wanted to step it up to that next level and try like sewing the full project so i sat down and youtube has always been my go-to platform for just learning things i learned in middle school how to solve rubik's cubes in under like a minute i was super obsessed i wanted wow. to go compete in speed competitions but youtube was the the way to go learned how to change oil on youtube whatever so i found this youtube video on how to make a backpack and i went to joanne's fabric which is just like a fabric store out here and spent almost actually i think it was a hundred dollars on material and i made the backpack it turned out really good I actually hang it on my wall to remind me to use sustainable stuff instead of <laughs> brand new material so it wow. turned out but I got done and I'm sitting there and I'm admiring it and it's you know it looks cool whatever and then I'm like well I just spent a hundred dollars on a backpack it's cool it's unique but I just spent a hundred dollars on it this that's kind of put me out like no one's gonna buy a two hundred dollar backpack if I make a hundred dollar backpack whatever yeah um so I went to the thrift store. So I went to the thrift store and I'd thrifted a lot in Colorado growing up, but for clothing and whatnot. But I went with the mindset of just used material, blankets, curtains. Maybe someone actually just donated some material, like sewing material or quilting material. So I started thrifting stuff and it all it's it started with the bags actually. I made some duffel bags. I made some backpacks out of woven blankets and then it didn't do really good. People didn't like the bags very much, but I, I love making bags. Bags is my favorite, like zippers, pockets, love that. And then I started messing around with clothing and I figured out, well, if I have, I've got all these examples. I'm in my sewing room. It's kind of nice, but if I have, an old hoodie from the thrift store like this mm. I can just seam rip it and take out take out all the seams take it apart because I didn't know how to draft a pattern and make it my size and everything so I thought okay go to the thrift store again second hand let's find a hoodie that fits me like this 
you know, nastiness all over it, maybe a hole here, a hole there. That's not what I'm worried about. I just need the the pattern. Mm -hmm. So I took it home, I seam ripped it, threw it down on a blanket, cut it out with the seam allowance and everything. And I did that for maybe a few weeks and I made like a montage video of it. And that's when everything took off. I, I think that I did a video and I got like 17 million views. Wow. And people, yeah, and that was, I want to say almost three years ago now. But yeah, it just kept snowballing. And that's how it started. It all started with one backpack and I spent too much money on it and decided to go a better route. And wow, that's a great story. And <clears throat> how long does it take you to make one item of clothing, for example? It's it's a pretty quick process now because it's really just cut and sew. Like for this, I found this squirrel blanket. It's just a big old squirrel in the middle. It's beautiful. It, that's yeah, what I, I love. What it was, I saw the colors. I really like the colors, but it's like just a squirrel. I was laughing at it yesterday when I figured out what it was. But something like that, just cutting out the hoodie pieces and sewing into a hoodie. Probably three hours, under wow. three hours now. That's great. Yeah. But that first bag that I showed you took me probably 10 hours. And so do you have so like, so you've got like a lot of followers on Instagram. Do you have like lots of customers from that? Yeah, I need to, honestly, I need to switch. Uh, do you know what Etsy is? Yeah, yeah, you got to get on Etsy. I Well, I've been on Etsy and I really don't like it. It's, oh, okay. You're... <laughs> they, take, they take, it's cool. It's a good platform for yeah. people. Like like when I was starting out, I didn't want to build a website. It didn't have the money yeah. to build a website. They have everything there for you. But I've just been having a lot of problems with it lately. And I really want to get someone to build just a personal website for me. But I sell, I'll do drops, drops. I'll upload pieces about once a month. So I'll try to make 10 plus pieces within a month and then I'll take the time, take pictures of them, upload them onto my Etsy and then sell them. And usually I'll sell at least 10 pieces within the first hour. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. It's pretty fun, but I need to get, I wanna get worldwide shipping because I get so many people from France yeah. and from Ukraine and Russia and Spain yeah. and Canada, like it's crazy. The they're stunning pieces. Are... They're works of art. Like the, the, what I Thank love you. about them is that they're they're like they're works of art, but works of art that you feel comfortable wearing. Like you don't feel like you're standing out like a crazy person. But right? they're so beautiful. Yeah. Like they fit this Thank really you. kind of in between wearable art and casual clothing. Yeah, a lot of people have called me or called what I'm doing a rift between high fashion and loungewear yeah because you know you see people on the runway with all these like gaudy get-ups and their hair's all crazy look like ace ventura yeah like, wow that's really cool but i will never wear that yes. besides a fashion show yeah. so my really my big focus is realistic fashion like people people will complain they're like all you do is make hoodies I'm like, all I want to wear is hoodies. All <laughs> like, I want to wear is a hoodie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to reinvent a hoodie. It's already good the way it is.
Well, and you are kind of reinventing the book. You can't. Well, you're not reinventing yeah. it, but you're putting your touch on it. Like no hoodie is the same from from your yeah. <laughs> from your hoodies. Yep. That's, um, that's the way to do it. Yeah, they're great. I, I would love to just have like a full wardrobe of just hoodies and tracksuit pants like yours, but you you certainly don't <laughs> look like you're dressing down. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah, and I think a lot of it's inspired from growing up snowboarding too. Yeah, that's like I mean, you see what I'm wearing now—just baggy stuff, beanie, comfortable. Yeah, and but you're still going to be in it all day, and you still want to look cool for the ladies on the snowboard. You know? Yeah. But it would be great. I would love you to do some more summer stuff because it's hot here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, some I got singlets. Button up some shorts. Uh, I don't have any in here right now. You have plenty of time to <laughs> to do that. Yeah. yeah You're, definitely. And, I really enjoy making button ups. Button ups are really fun. Ah, too. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with these clothes, uh, do you imagine a world where – the, like we have more people like you, like tailors of sorts, sustainable tailors making clothes for people. Do you think that would be possible? Most definitely. Yeah. I, within my, I don't know, three years now of going viral on Instagram and TikTok, I have seen, I'd like to say hundreds of sustainable designers popping out and doing stuff and like I was talking I've been trying to reach out to there's creators that go around and they help the homeless they give them whatever they need and some of these pieces like I messaged the people and I said some of these pieces I can't sell the zipper broke this broke whatever and I can't sell it I've got a pile of clothes I'm not going to throw away I could re-donate it back to the thrift store but I figure why not go give it to the homeless. So I've been tra- I've been asking all these people like how else can I help keep this sustainable stuff going and keep helping other people and you know just keep the whole kindness snowball going but yeah I've seen I follow a few people it gets kind of frustrating some people just copy and paste some of my things and I can't follow it really. I support it. I think it's a great way to make clothing and it's people, more people should be doing it. But yeah, I, I think it's very feasible and very possible. Well, when I started this was my whole thing was just take down fast fashion, take down, help reduce all these wasteful products mm. that all these people are consuming like nothing. So maybe let's shift it towards, hey, you can be creative and wear your own creative clothing instead of buying a copy and paste piece of fabric that's going to fall apart in a year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I Look, I think it's a great idea because like I, you know, when I became conscious of the environmental impact of clothing, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy everything secondhand, which is great. Mm-hmm. And you can get a lot of things. But I also, I've noticed myself buying some more things new because I'm like, well, that's not quite, like, I'm not going to wear that thing. So it would be amazing. And now I know some designers um, and dressmakers in my town. I'm like, oh, maybe I can just get some fabric and, like, secondhand fabric and get them to make some clothes for me. So that way I can honestly go, I'm supporting someone in my community and I'm not, you know, destroying the planet. And now I have this very unique piece of clothing. Yeah, and then people say, where did you get that? Oh, so-and-so down the street, actually. Yeah. Don't you love it? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's such an important thing. And I think it's because we live in a culture that doesn't really highlight any of this. We're just so disconnected from it. Like literally last week, the last guest I was speaking to, she lives in Kenya. And I said, what would you say to someone living in the in the global north? And she's like, stop it. Like we don't buy new clothes. We're wearing your clothes. Like stop it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was so yeah. shocking to me to finally speak to someone directly that's being impacted by this our lifestyle. And we need more conversations like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen people call our lifestyle the throwaway lifestyle. We're just so used to open it up, throw it away, you know, put something in the microwave, throw away the rest of it, throw it away, throw it away. And people are just used to it. We're just the way the consumerism here in the States is it's so easy and you're almost supposed to just throw everything away because yeah. then you, you can buy more stuff and it's just a nasty repetitive process. My friend went to America to work it, to study with the FBI <laughs> and <Wow>. he, yeah. <laughs> And he's Spanish and not at all eco-conscious. He doesn't really care. I, I love him, but he doesn't care. And he was like, oh, my God, in America, like the guys, when we'd go and get a lunch, they would buy more food than they actually need. They knew they were going to eat and they would just throw mm -hmm. it all in the garbage bin. And yeah. several times I just went, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> this is crazy. Yes. Stop. Stop. And yeah. he was he was shocked by this kind of compulsion to and just like really relaxed attitude towards throwing throwing away food, perfectly good food. So yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty wasteful. Did he say anything about the difference in like serving sizes? Did he notice a difference? Yeah, and just yeah. how much like the plate sizes, how much food people actually ate versus somewhere else. Yeah, he he mentioned that, but the worst I think for him was just that. Sure, if you want to have a huge meal, go ahead. But it's more that they're serving themselves these huge things, and they're not actually even eating it. So it's it's kind of ma a madness. But I th I wondered if yeah. it was something to do with this concept. I don't really know much about the American culture apart from the the cinema that I get from there. Is I wondered if it was related to this sense of like. There is plenty and like this concept of always wanting there to be plenty and we're the land of the plenty and we can have all that. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it for sure. I, it, I think people are proud to be American and we have all this, but I just think everyone's or a lot of people are just brainwashed into thinking whatever you do, wherever you are, you won't see the consequences. So might as well eat as much as you can. Throw yeah. away whatever you want because you're not going to see where the trash ends up. You're not yeah. going to see the like we have a dump in just outside of town and you can drive past it, but you can't see it. There's hills around every side. They've got fences. They don't want you to see how much nastiness ends up in there and all that kind of stuff. And some people mm -hmm. don't have to worry about it out like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it the way the infrastructure is, we don't have to or most people don't have to worry about it because they never see it ever yeah yeah like, we used to go to junkyards to pick parts for our cars and stuff and i talked to people and they're you went to junkyards that's so gross i bet there's needles everywhere i bet it was so sketchy blah 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 you show up like that was one of my favorite days of the weekend because it was a blast it's a really cool environment it's a junkyard it's kind of gross there's like old cars everywhere but just anything that's used has such a negative connotation 
in the States, I think. Like, if you don't have the newest phone, like, people ask me, what phone do you have? And I don't even know what number it is, iPhone 11 or 12. And they're like, oh, we're on the 16. You don't have the 16? I'm like, mm. I just want a flip phone again. <laughs> like, it's just overindulging, man. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. But the clothing stuff is opening people's minds to realize I can have a personal twist in this because I think with all this food with all this everything is here for you self-identity is not prevalent everyone's everyone's just told what to consume what to eat what to wear there's a lot of options for what to wear sure but where's your name on it why don't you embroider your name on it why don't you cut a hole in the arm to show off your tattoo because it's cool why don't you you know just like individuality I think people are realizing it's important, yeah. which I always think, thought it should be, but I didn't realize how, here's a great example. I was on, I was on TikTok live, uh, just sewing some stuff. And this kid was asking me questions. Where'd you learn how to sew? I learned from the internet. How did you learn from the internet? Well, if you can search how to sew, you'll find all these things. Well, what else can you use? Well, you can use YouTube. You can look up how to sew a bucket hat. You'll find hundreds of videos. What if I can't find, like, what do I need to learn how to sew? You can search top 10 things I need to learn to sew. Like the people don't know how to use their resources or yeah. a, a lot of people don't. And this kid's sitting here and he's like, dude, this is phenomenal yeah you're teaching me more than my teacher like did in high school and i'm thinking i'm like i'm telling you to google stuff i'm telling you to use your resources like i'm not teaching you really anything and he goes no like no one ever in high school has taught me all this individuality to actually take matters into my own hands he was like thank you so much this is so refreshing and i i got done with the live and i was just in shock i was like how are you not being taught to think freely and you're just being taught to i agree yeah. with you i think that we aren't really taught how to use the internet and our phones like they are right? they have really downsides a lot of downsides but you, there are amazing upsides like you can really use them for incredible connections with people uh yeah learning anything you want to learn like it's brilliant but you need yeah, to be taught how to insane. use that yeah yeah and i don't know i always make the comparison or i always say to people because i'll get frustrated i people are like how do you learn this the internet what did you how did you learn it search how to sew you know yeah. it's like but i i'll get i get frustrated to a fault sometimes but people say well how'd you learn this blah, 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 blah. the internet oh really and i say you know the internet isn't just social media yeah there is it is the biggest arguably ever form of mass education and knowledge that humanity has ever seen. And people are just stuck on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm yeah. like, go, you can, I took off the whole engine of my van and replaced a bunch of parts. Took me like a month, but I found a PDF, like 65 page in-depth tutorial on the internet uh, on some forum discussing this certain type of motor printed it out did it the van works great wow
That's incredible. And people just, I, I don't know what it is. I think, again, it's with all the, everything's already kind of done for us. Like you have these clothes you can already buy. You have this extra food you can buy. People just are used to having somebody else do it for them. I completely So, agree. Yeah. you know, like, oh, I don't have to change my oil. I can just go pay somebody else to do it. Like there was a kid stuck on the side of the road probably six months ago. Um, we were leaving Walmart just doing grocery shopping and he's like looking all pissed. He has a flat tire and he's young. He's got, I think what made me stop is he had like a baseball bat in the back and glove and everything. I was like, oh, he plays baseball. Let's go help him. And I pull over and I'm like, hey, man, do you need some help? And he goes, I don't know. Even, I don't know how to jack up my car. I don't know how to change a tire. We've, Yeah, society. um, we've outsourced our entire existence almost. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's a great way to put a it. friend of mine said this to me the other day, and she was just in shock. She was talking about a conversation that she was having with a friend of hers. And the friend said, oh, she goes, my, my favorite moment of the day is watching the, the help <laughs> uh, bathe my child. And it's like, what? Your favorite moment of the, like normally the favorite moment you go is connecting with my child or bathing my child. But Yeah, the, her favorite bathing moment was your child, watching sure. someone else take care of her Wow. own child. And, I, and she was, and she didn't realize Interesting. how crazy that sound, <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, know, that's wild. like That's a great it, example. and it's also that thing you said about our hands. Like we just have to, like, it's joyful to what, to bathe your child. It's a beautiful act, Yeah, you know, it's personal. It's personal. It's like where you connect with the, with the baby. So why would you outsource that? Like, it's so strange. Um, but Right. I, and I agree. I think a lot of our self-esteem and connections have been like are being depleted because we don't know how to make our own things and have no connection to um, uh, the things that we use, Our the world. objects, our world. Yeah. 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 And I, th I think that really is, I explained all of this to my dad one night. He's like, what's your big like mission statement? What is, what do you, why are you doing this? Why are you trying to inspire people to sew? And I explained that to him. I said, no, I think it's the disconnect with everybody. It's no one wants to, no one has self-esteem to do things like this. No one My generation, and this is just my opinion, but my generation isn't capable, like I said, to change a tire, to start a fire, to go help somebody pull up a motorcycle if they dumped it on the ground. Like, 
those kind of things I said, I well, so many people are losing this and I want people to be inspired again. Like this is a lot bigger than sewing. I want people to be curious to use the internet to learn how to sew. And then that opens up, oh my gosh, I just saw a recipe. I can, I can cook something. I'm going to cook something for mom. And then you have the best night ever, whatever it may be. But sewing for me is a way to subtly or subliminally introduce self-empowerment to people again or my generation because everyone boom 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 hit a few buttons you've got DoorDash delivering your food you go downstairs pick it up eat it there's no gratification in that i mean you get your food you're full but cook a meal change a tire you know learn how to make a hoodie and i when the first time i did it that's what blew my mind the the self-accomplishment of it the it just was amazing. I was astonished that yeah. I just had made a hoodie and I'm wearing it. And I was like, other people need to feel this and understand this. And I went like a whole hour rant with my dad and he stops and he just goes, you are way too young. Or what did he say? He said, you're an old soul. You're way too young to be having a thought like that. And I was like, it's, it's true. Like, that's what I believe. And I think this is a good way to do it. Well, I think this, the younger generation, are, like, are very wise. You know, they are clued onto it. They're, they're looking at the world. They yeah. can see it. They can feel it. They're, they're connecting the dots. Yep. So. Yep, something has to change. Something has to change. And it doesn't have to be all dark. Like, it can be beautiful, like what you're making with your clothes, and it can bring us a lot of joy. It doesn't have to be all doom yeah. and gloom. We have a few questions that we ask. One is, what has been your most uh, profound moment in nature? So my most profound moment was definitely on right in front of Firefly in Costa Rica, Montezuma, Costa Rica. Um, last, around Christmas, I went with my fiance and her whole family. We'd only been dating for less than a year <laughs> went on a like two week trip with her whole family but we started in one location and our second location was Montezuma and we spent the morning hiking to this waterfall that was one of four in the world and the reason it's one of four in the world is because the waterfall is um isn't salt water it's natural like you could drink the water and it flows into the saltwater ocean and i guess there's only one of four of those that occur in the world where you have like clean water non-salt water going into salt water so we got to take a shower we swam in the beach but then we took a shower in that waterfall after like you know rinse off wow. all the salt and everything so that was really really cool and then that night we're hanging out, playing cards, you know, just having a blast. We decided to do a night beach walk. And um, my fiance's cousin is doing, you know, cartwheels, trying back handsprings on the sand. And she messed up and she fell, flopped straight on her back pretty hard. And we all stopped. Oh, are you okay? You okay? And she goes, did you see that? We're like, what are you talking about? Did, she, did you see that? So she's running around, running around. And we're like, what is she doing? And she's like, look, look, look. And she stomps on the ground. And where she stomps, it lights up. And we're like, what is that? And she stomps again, and it lights up. And we're messing around with it. And it, 
we figure out that it's not just happening in the sand. We look out in the water and where the water is breaking with the waves coming in, it's lighting up like the white water is lighting up as it's going. And we were showing it to people as they walked by just to like ask what it is. Are we going crazy? <laughs> but it was bioluminescence that was occurring in it was washing up on the shore and it was settling into the sand, but it was in the waves and bioluminescence is just like a super rare type of, I mean, it kind of says it for itself. It's uh, a biological something that luminesces. There's certain animals, very few animals that do it, but there's certain algaes that do it in the ocean and that has to be perfect temperatures, perfect time of the year for it to happen. But when they get agitated, they, they luminesce or they bioluminesce and they spark up. So we spent the next probably two hours just admiring all this natural, amazing color. It felt, it was an anomaly. It was truly once in a lifetime. So that, that whole day was probably the most profound nature day I've ever had. It sounds like you're an avatar or something. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. Like the, it, it felt like it too. Yeah. That was the thing. It was, it was absurd. Wow, so I've never heard of that bioluminescence. Yeah. Yep, yep. Wow. And it's really rare. It happens in few, I think it happens in Florida every once in a while. And we had to look it up to make sure like it was happening. But I guess, and it wasn't the red tide, but it had to do with the red tide pushing stuff around. We just got really lucky. Yeah, it was. Wow, absurd. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up after this. Um, and another question is, Oh, yeah, it's grandma's advice. This activity, we ask people to imagine that they're an old woman coming to the end of their life and they have to pass over some advice to their grandchildren. I mean, you're quite young. You're 23. (laughs) So it's quite a stretch for you to do this. But what, you know, after your 23 years on this planet, what advice would you give to your imaginary grandchildren? Um, I would say be insanely stupidly to a fault curious never stop asking questions never stop asking why or how or for what reason how does this work why won't this work and i would say besides that just just be don't ever be afraid to help a stranger no matter what the situation, because you never know where somebody is in their life. You never know what they've gone through that day or that year or that week, but a little goes a long way. The whole pay it forward, I would say. Yeah. Those two things. Yeah. That's a really good piece of advice to, to never be scared to help a stranger because we are, there is always this block. I even feel yeah. it in myself sometimes and I'm, it's always this kind of effort to move past it. And most of the time we don't move past it. Otherwise we'd have utopia. Most of the time yeah. we don't move past it. But, but yeah. I think some people don't have it as strongly as others. I like the way you're talking about it. It sounds like you don't have any fear really of, of making, of helping a stranger. Well, I do, but I just constantly have to remind myself I'm just as human as anybody else. I'm, I'm no better. I'm no worse. I'm just here on this random rock floating around blessed enough to share love and be creative. So might as well spread it around everybody else, you know, 
Yeah, completely. I think it's really, really good advice and something we should be taught more to, you know, be aware of that feeling that we get that blocks us from t- putting that hand out, you know. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then another one is, I'm trying to remember, what? There was ah, uh, yeah. what tip for eco-enthusiasts and then what do you hope yeah. never goes away? Let's go. What, what do you hope, what is something that you hope never changes? Uh, a lot. Okay. Is, that, is that a hopeless thought? Um, I think overall I would just say our indescribable sense of love for whatever it is whether it's humans other people plants being outside rocks i love collecting rocks just whatever i think as long as that never changes i think we'll be all right yeah there's this poem by my favorite american writer called carson mccullers and um yeah carson mccullers wrote this poem i can't it's called a tree a rock a cloud And I can't remember all the words of the poem. I haven't memorized it. But essentially the argument in this poem is that the reason why we're so kind of like disappointed in life and have got life wrong is because we start by loving other people, like by loving another person, like a man or a woman in a romantic way where you need to start by loving a tree, a rock, a cloud, and then the love of your life. (laughs) You know, you're meant to really fall in love. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. But you got to keep it simple first. Yeah, she's she's like you're meant to build up to people. (laughs) You're meant to start with these things and then you're like, wow, human beings are incredible, but you've got to start with these small things and really deeply fall in love with them. I could, Yeah, that makes sense because you can't really appreciate something as complex as a human mind without – Yeah. I mean, you could sure try to understand what – why you love a tree and what's so beautiful about it. Good luck trying to describe your love to a human. Yeah, you know? no. it's really, it is. There's no, there are no words. Um, okay. And the last one is what is one habit that you think all eco enthusiasts should pick up? I would say just it's, it's man, it's kind of easier said than done, but there's a lot of different ways to reduce single-use plastic in the household there's simple ways like uh use a reusable grocery bag when you go to the grocery store um ziploc bags are super wasteful we've switched over to like it's like a rubbery it's kind of plastic but you can wash them we have washable ziploc bags and we're doing the math last night we were thinking about it because my fiance is a nurse, so she's at she's eating lunch at least three times a week. Every week of the year, three times 57. I mean, that's 157, 100, probably 160, 170 Ziploc bags a year at least. Yeah. And it just it just adds up. So we try to or my fiance's aunt taught me this, but she says every New Year's resolution, she tries to take down another single-use plastic thing that she does in her life. So she taught us this one this year. You can get um, dissolvable, 
like laundry detergent sheets and they come in cardboard boxes instead of big old plastic containers and just like simple stuff. But I would just say, seek out small ways that you could reduce plastic waste or just something simple like that, you know? Yeah. I think it, it snowballs and it's kind of fun to practice something like that and be active. And it doesn't have to be huge. It's not like you have to go live in a hole and no, drink groundwater, no. but just like, and you can't get rid of all plastics in your daily life, but you can just take little things off here, take yeah. little things off there. And it makes a difference. Oh, it totally does. And I, I was just was watching this um, documentary on climate change and climate psychology, and it was a really interesting documentary. And they were talking about how lots of kids are coming back from school now, like little ones, and they're learning about how bad plastic is. And then they're coming into their house and it's just being used like, in a, and they're just being overwhelmed by yeah. the education they're receiving and then what's actually common practice. And if you, and that's a difficult situation because plastic is such a huge part of everyone's lives. But if you had a parent right. that can, take this information and go okay you know what we're going to do a step by step like every year we're acting on this we're going to reduce one thing and that will help put that child in a state of calm going okay the world's not perfect but we are moving in the right direction and it's a serious issue that and i think people would be really surprised like we wouldn't um we have reusable bags we use our reusable bags or we got our groceries in boxes like delivered to our house it was fine but then one one or two months we didn't do that and the delivery person always brought it in plastic bags and after two mm. months i kept the plastic bag so i wanted to see the difference it was yeah. crazy <laughs> when you make yeah. yourself see it like and i was doing mm. that as an um as an activity i was like look have a hard look at this and when you do see it it is shocking so i think even though it sounds like a simple thing slowly reduce your single-use plastics It is very important in that first step that we take as a society to go, we're going to start looking at this reality. It's, yeah. yeah. And it's feasible. It's like I said, it's not, you have to move into a super eco-friendly house or this, but no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, it's a very feasible thing to try. And there's so many different avenues. Anyone can, you can just mess around with it, just experiment with it. Like you said, instead of throwing, like we talked about, instead of throwing away all your stuff, you never see it again. Collect all your plastic for a month and see how much you get and then try to do it differently the next month and see how little you get. Yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. Well, it was so great speaking to you, Zachary, and learning about your process and how you got to this point making these beautiful clothes. Um, Yes, thank you for having me. So people listening, where can they find this stuff? It's mostly on Instagram, no? That's the best place to find you? On Instagram. um, My Instagram is after underscore always underscore apparel. And then on TikTok, it's just after always apparel. Great, great. about it and then I, ha- I saw my stuff on my etsy which is linked in both of the bios on my social medias thanks zach i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the eco enthusiast i was really inspired by zachary's creativity his initiative and his just really positive attitude his positive outlook on life and he's using what he has like he said he went to this small town with a sewing machine and then used the internet to and his creativity to create something wonderful send a message to the world about individuality and you know the and to kind of take a stand against fast fashion 
After he mentioned that, I thought I would look up a couple of um, numbers related to fast fashion and just to remind us all what we're doing when we when we enter into fast fashion. Over 80 billion new pieces of clothing are bought each year worldwide. 85% of discarded clothing ends up in landfill. Textiles account for almost 35% of the, the global microplastic pollution. And 40 million people work in fast fashion all over the world. So this is not something that is being reduced fast enough. So if you would like to do your job today to fight against the fast fashion industry, you can share Zachary's story on your social media, share it with your friends, and let's start inspiring each other to be individuals, express ourselves creatively, and support other people in our community that are doing the right thing. That's it for this week and we'll see you next time on The Eco Enthusiast.